Hello there, and welcome to the Citizen ATX podcast. My name is Matt Gillum. Today, we are here with Jonathan Spencer. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Matt. And then we also have Lauren and Carlos with us, as always, as we are beginning our new series here on the podcast, which is lovingly called the Summer Takes Series. And so during these next couple of episodes that are going to span across these summer months, uh, Jonathan and I are going to uh, look at some of these Uh, common cultural affairs that are going on right now, different issues that have taken up the news cycle. And we wanted to take time to look at these issues, um, look at what the moral dilemmas are that Christians are facing in them, and then try to give at least our opinion, uh, as well as what we understand from the Bible, as responses that the church ought to have. Um, I know that that's kind of one of those things that that as believers we constantly go through is when we see things that are happening in our world that we don't have necessarily a part of, what is our response supposed to be to that? And so, Jonathan, where are we going to start this series, this this first episode? Well, you know, there's so many places we could start. Honestly, it'd be easy to pick anything because as the uh, temperature's going up, it feels like the temperature's going up right now in culture and news cycles. So mm-hmm. um, truth is, I know there's going to be a lot of things we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. But for today, we thought since it is June, June is kicking off, we felt like we might really address a topic that's going to carry along this whole month, and that really is Pride Month. So mm-hmm. today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, for those that don't know, it is officially nationally recognized as the LGBTQ plus uh, Pride Month. Uh, President Joe Biden put out a proclamation at the beginning of June, and really it's nothing new. Uh, it's been going on now for a couple decades. I think Clinton began it, uh, Obama followed suit, and now an official proclamation came out from Biden as well. So because of that, as we all know, all around our city, but really all around the country, there's, of course, pride flags, events, demonstrations, advertisements, and all that which then leads Christians in the church to really consider what do we, what should we do about this? How do we handle this? So I think it'll be a pertinent topic for today. Yeah, and, and even looking at it, it, it looks like it was first declared back in 1999 and 2000. So mm-hmm. we're looking at a, uh, a social thing, uh, cultural uh, happening that's been about 22 years in the making. Um, and so I think wh- why this is particularly a, a cultural issue um, is that now, n- now more than ever, we're seeing more mainstream acceptance of the idea of Pride Month as a, as a social norm. Um, and for, for believers, you know, it's something that we didn't see happening that much before, but now all of a sudden it seems to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, so, Jonathan, what are some of the, the different you know, news stories that are kind of sparking interest in, in this particular issue? Well, there's been a lot, and I know this is just me rambling for the last few days. This podcast will come out, you know, a few days after even we're talking, so there'll probably mm-hmm. be some news stories we'll have not even known about at the time of this recording. But in the last week, for instance, Saturday, that caught a lot of news this previous week. Uh, in the Major League Baseball, they had uh, Pride Nights, and they do it all the different ballparks. Most of the organizations do something, but the Tampa Bay Rays, they did something kind of to one step further. They had a Pride Night where all the the different flags and communication pieces went out there, and it was kind of a celebratory night for the LGBTQ community, but they also uh, tweaked their uniforms where they inserted the pride colors into the logo of the hat, onto the jersey, and if you didn't hear the news story, basically the long story short is five of those baseball players said, hey, we're Christians, we're not going to wear those jerseys and hats. They said this internally, and they just wore their uh, regular uniforms, and they stood out like a sore thumb, and, mm-hmm. the, uh, and obviously media caught that. Uh, spoke to them, 
and questioned them, you know, why would you not support the LGBT community? And that created a whole uproar. Um, other items that have come out in the last week that people have been probably monitoring and seeing on the news cycles. Uh, there was a large pride event in Dallas, just up the road from here. Uh, there was a club, it was a, a gay club, but they, they had a family friendly event where they had drag queens coming in and dancing during the daytime. People were encouraged to bring their children to celebrate it as a pride event. And there was video footage that went viral all over the internet of children, probably 10 and younger, uh, in the room watching really provocative dancing by uh, drag queens in bikinis. And then there's fi- there's films of even, or footage of some of those children putting dollar bills into the underwear of these dancing drag queens. Um, Carolina Panthers also this last week announced that they're going to have a transgender uh, cheerleader that's going to be joining the squad in August. So now the National Football League will have its first ever biological male uh uh, dancer on the official uh, team. And then this morning, actually, I saw something, Matt, this is probably my favorite headline I've seen all week. There's now a Pride Whopper from Burger King, yeah. um, which the Pride Whopper is your standard delicious Whopper, but it's got two equal buns. So instead <laughs> of a top and a bottom making that delicious sandwich, it's either two bottoms or two tops. Uh, I guess, I don't know if you get to choose, but I, but that's the idea is well, it celebrates Pride. As a Whataburger man, I would disagree with you on that. That's a delicious sandwich. But, that's you know. fair. That's fair. <laughs> I agree. I won't disagree on But yeah, I mean, all of these stories, um, you know, they they, they come from a place for us, I think that's pretty novel, because, uh, you know, for the past several decades, the, the whole issue of homosexuality and its interaction with culture has largely been something that's not been in the public eye. It's it, Even though uh, Pride Month began being announced back in 1999 and 2000, it, it, ne- it has never really seemed in previous years to be where people uh, presenting a Christian viewpoint were coming from a minority kind of position. But I actually, while you're talking, I pulled up the actual quote from one of the Tampa Bay Ray players when he was talking about his why they, what they, uh, why they made that decision to not wear the patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what he said is, a lot of it comes down to faith, to like a faith-based decision. So it's a hard decision because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that we are all, that all are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that they look down on anybody or think differently, it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior, just like Jesus encourages me as a heterosexual male to abstain from sex outside the confines of marriage. It's no different. And so I think that that, that quote gives a, a very good view of why this is becoming kind of a bigger thing in the news, <clears throat> because Christians are trying to understand we, when we look at what the Bible says, what the clear instruction of Scripture is, and what the, um, and what the uh, history of the theology of the church and practice of the church has been for the past 2,000, actually not even 2,000 years, even back into uh, Jude- right. Judaic times, 4,000, 5,000 years, uh, it's clear that the, the, action of the, the actions of the homosexual community are opposed to what is written in Scripture. Right. Um, but the problem is, and you even see that reflected in that quote, the burden now, now falls on the church. How are we supposed to respond if we to actions that we believe are are at their base against the direction of what Scripture says that God's uh, intention was for mankind, yeah. but also still show love to people who are in the midst of that? I mean, in, in his quote, he starts off by saying that. He's like, look, we're not trying to make a statement of how we feel about anybody else here. 
we we are now at the point of having to say we we are in his case they were protecting their own bodies right. from taking on somebody else's ideology upon themselves. Right. And so, I mean, Jonathan, how do you do you see that as being the the reason why this dilemma is kind of raising in the the minds of Christians in the community? Well, it's it's risen up for. I mean, yes, there's, but there's lots of pieces to that. I think mm-hmm. one, what you said earlier that it is sin, I would agree biblically it is sin, mm-hmm. the homosexuality and really everything that falls there within the LGBTQ uh, movement. Mm-hmm. But that statement I just made, many Christians disagree with. And to mm-hmm. me, that's where actually this all probably even really starts is that internally, even within the church, there's been a divide. I mean, right now the Methodist church is having a divide mm-hmm. uh, and it's going on everywhere where now... Not all Christians are saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's where it begins is what's right and what's wrong. And and I think where we're at today is probably a a tipping point of what's been a uh, moral degradation and really a, a uh, departure from conservative Christian orthodoxy. And mm-hmm. people don't want to listen to that because in the Old Testament and New, it does spell it out. Like you said, there's thousands of years of Judeo-Christian heritage that have spelled it out, but some don't believe that. But for those that do, like those five guys for the Tampa Bay Rays, they're no longer, I believe culture is no longer allowing room for people to have a Christian worldview without consequence. Yeah. And that's really the point is they said, guys, this is what we believe. This is what Christians have always believed for, for really all these years. Mm-hmm. But now culture's saying you're not allowed to believe that anymore. And, and the reason why is in the previous years, the LGBTQ movement was always looking for acceptance. They just wanted acceptance of not being treated mm-hmm. as lesser people. But the, the wild place we're in, I guess, right now is it's no longer about acceptance. They won't accept your acceptance. They want your affirmation. Mm-hmm. And if you don't celebrate what they're doing, there will be a penalty to pay. And those guys, they're being penalized. I went on their Instagrams just out of curiosity. And I mean, those guys, I mean, it is ruthless. I mean, the mm-hmm. way they're being treated publicly, yeah. even though they said, we love you, we want you here, we accept you here. They just said, we just can't wave a banner for something we view as sin. Mm-hmm. That's no longer an acceptable viewpoint in this world. And that makes it really uncomfortable for Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think I think why there's so much struggle, too, is that we're also in a new place of generally we would have the Judeo-Christian ethic would have aligned with what culture, what the American culture, at least, yeah, the has believed, um, and you know, now that we're finding ourselves in this diff- this different category, there is there there are a couple I think of of emotions that are happening. One is I think um, confusion to an extent because mm-hmm. this is not something that we've dealt with before, not really knowing what it is particularly. Um, you know, because one of the things that Jonathan and I have discussed before, even talking in biblical interpretation, you know, one of, one of the big ways that wrong belief gets into the church is by taking words that exist in the Christian theology and then applying them to, to other things. So that, and for instance, when sometimes may, people will use the argument of, well, God is love to, uh, to uh, hold up the homosexual lifestyle as, as legitimate, because like if God's loving, then why wouldn't he mm-hmm. embrace this? But just because someone uses that, that term for who God is does not mean that they're talking about the same thing. Um, a lot of times when we, are, when we are using this terminology about God and when we, we understand right belief in him, we hold it to the standard of what God has revealed about himself through Scripture. It's not based in what we, right. want, we want him to be and what we, what we have a picture of him that we've painted in our mind, but we're referring to something that's outside of ourselves. Yep. And so I think 
there's a lot of confusion that goes there because churches, to, to your point about the internal divide, in a lot of churches we have not defined who God is according mm-hmm. to what Scripture says. I think the general cultural flow of the past several decades has been, you know, take your lifestyle, the things that you want God to be, and He becomes that thing. Yeah. Je- Jesus becomes your buddy. Jesus becomes your homeboy. And, you know, he, he affirms your lifestyle. And then when you do that, <clears throat> you become God. That's right. what people miss is yeah. like if you, if you have the audacity to say, well, God wouldn't do this, or mm-hmm. I just don't think God would say that. Well, who's God now? Yeah. If you're the one that's giving the terms of God and who He is, His character, His rules, His commandments, you're God, mm-hmm. and you're the one telling everything everyone else exactly who this little God is that you claim to lift up. And that's where things have just gotten backwards is I think people, they, they feel so much societal pressure and Mm -hmm. the enemy is a liar and he Mm -hmm. lies really well. And so there's things that sound like truth that really are disguised and like the love is love argument is exactly a piece of that. Yes. Love is a, is a Christian ethic. That is an idea Mm -hmm. straight from scripture, but it's contorted by the enemy Mm -hmm. and misconstrued to something that is not love that Jesus actually says, those who love me obey my commandments. And right. so for you not to obey what the word of God says, that is not love. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so anyway, it's to me, it just comes down to the authority of God's word. People don't stand on it, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in the church and certainly not outside of it. Yeah. And I will say, listener, that if you if you think that, well, we're just picking on a, a, a specific sin that we don't, ta- we don't happen to struggle with and that this is kind of a, um, you know, we're, we're, we're creating a special category for this— Realistically, as Christians, we have to believe this about any anything that we use to justify our mm-hmm. sin. That any time that we we use God as a means to justify the things that we're doing, we are falling into idolatry. Whether that has to do with greed or lust or um, envy or any any of these different things that are that are classically sins, anything that is less than God is less than God. Why we're talking about this right now is because it's it is an issue that has been so pushed forward in the idea of being progressive mm-hmm. that now it has become something that we as a we as the church have to address yeah. right um and I, and I'll say also kind of in that same vein I, another reason why I believe this is becoming a moral dilemma for us is also the role of fear in society because when things when things change and are different we then rightly question well then what's going to happen to me in the midst of this, like, do I have, you know, am I going to be forced to put this patch on myself or mm-hmm. am I going to be forced to have my kids learn about these uh, uh, LGBTQ relationships when they're in kindergarten or first grade as being taught as normative in our in my school? Well, right? And that's a timely question because, you know, some some, I believe, political leaders want to force you to. And I think yeah. that's what Christians are seeing, even with things like the Equality Act, mm-hmm. which is really a farce with the title. It, what it really is doing is legislating a new morality. And that yeah. is where a lot of politicians want to go, is they want to force people to affirm this, which they believe is right. Mm-hmm. And when that conflicts with God's word, Christians have a decision to make of which side am I going to land on? And mm-hmm. that does create fear because right now, most people aren't in the position of those five major league baseball players where they literally had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're the opposite. Our decision is, are we going to go into those places of business and cooperate in places that have yeah. ideology different than my own? But that is a different argument versus, am I going to participate in that ideology and mm-hmm. advocate for it and wear it and say I adhere to it? Um, that's another space that those five guys were in. But the truth is, more of America might be in that same uh, mm-hmm. same crossroads not too far from here. 
And so before we go to a break, because what, what, what we want to do in this conversation, we wanted to kind of present to you first kind of the moral dilemma that's being faced and why we think this is a subject that's worth talking about on the podcast. But also, I, want, we, I feel like we really need to differentiate a bit here between the ongoing cultural issue and the individuals that are involved in it. Because um, generally, that is the, the, the response of, well, the way that you respond to the general cultural flow is also the way that you're responding to the individuals. I, I would, I, again, I'm going to turn back to some more words from that baseball player. Mm-hmm. He actually had a response later on his Instagram where he said, where, when, cause like you said, he's, they've been receiving a ton mm-hmm. of uh, criticism, but he said, I promise you, my intention was never to shame anyone. My greatest desire is to love and live like Jesus every day. And I hope that for those of you who are listening who either are in the midst of a lifestyle like this or have loved ones who are, you need to hear us when we're talking about we're talking about this general cultural flow of what Pride Month is and what the agenda is behind it, that we are separating that from folks who are dealing with what we believe is the sin of homosexuality. Right. We believe that Jesus Christ died on behalf of all people for all of our sin and that that his desire is that we would be drawn unto him and that we the same expectation we would have of, of ourselves we are holding out for others as well and i mean Jonathan is there anything you want to say to that no i would agree and i think i think that's been the heart of christians and it still is hopefully for most christians mm-hmm. is that obviously you love the sinner you hate the sin that yeah. whole that whole idea that's been in the church forever the difference is right now society doesn't want Christians to hold to that position, right? Um, because you can—it's—it's it's near impossible. And those guys are a perfect picture of it, where they said it as graciously, lovingly, mm-hmm. non-threateningly. They literally said, "We want you to come. You're welcome mm-hmm. here. We love you." And what America heard back was they hate gay people. Yeah. And and to me, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, that's worth addressing. Well, then what do you do if well, if people literally will not hear the words you're saying? And, and reject you just simply because you will not affirm and celebrate something mm-hmm. which God calls wrong, mm-hmm. what do you do as a Christian? Yeah. And that's a great question to ask. Yeah, and so, that, so we're going to take a short break here. Um, and then on the other side of this, uh, we're going to move from the moral dilemma that's being faced and move into the area of what is the Christian or the, or, and the church's right response to what's going on with Pride Month in America right now. So hang in there. We'll be right back on the Citizen ATX podcast. Welcome back to the Citizen ATX podcast as we are talking about the Christian response to Pride Month. And so as we've been having this conversation, we really feel like when it comes to response, the easiest way for us to be able to work through the problem is to talk about what are things that are currently wrong responses that we see in the church, that we've seen different church groups, Christian responses be. 
And then to turn on that and then look at what a right response would be in the context of, of what we're looking at. So what, what ways the church and Christians can respond positively toward uh, what, what we're seeing in our culture of Pride Month? So Jonathan, the first one that we talked about um, I think is probably the most common, uh, but the first response that we see happening that's from a wrong standpoint is the response of silence by mm-hmm. churches. So, so what what do you what do we mean by that when we when we say that the church is responding with silence? What I mean by that is, you know, right now, for instance, we're trying to talk about a difficult topic and and not say we're the heroes because we're not. But I'm but my point is, most people don't want to talk about these things because they're difficult things, mm-hmm. and and most people in churches don't. Um, and I think church has gotten to a dangerous place on this topic where we've been silent for a few reasons. I think. One is that people in churches have kind of assumed everybody's on the same team on this topic, mm-hmm. and I think that's been wrong. I think it's yeah. I think we've been a hundred percent wrong, and no, the truth hasn't been preached on this topic as far as a theology of sexuality that has not mm-hmm. been communicated clearly. And so I think that's clouded the judgment for a lot of Christians, even internally, where they're just as confused as the world. So I think yeah. partly it's been because we, we we wrongfully assessed where the church was and that we didn't need it when we mm-hmm. desperately do. But then on the other side of why the church has been silent, it's been the obvious one, is they don't want to offend mm-hmm. the LGBTQ community, community excuse me, or its allies, which is a real you know concern. Even as we're speaking right now, we don't want mm-hmm. to offend anyone, and that's not yeah. the goal is to say, we're right, you're wrong. It's God's right, and this is what the Bible says is really our position. But but people don't want to communicate that, uh, and it's left people confused uh, all across the spectrum because mm-hmm. I think yes, people have been too scared. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think in a lot of ways the the church culturally has bar- culturally has buried its head in the sand. Mm-hmm. And I think I think generally as human beings, we want to assume that the people that we associate with believe and think the same things that we do. But it's it's crazy how often there are different ways of belief and different thought processes that are completely different from from what we believe but we just don't ever talk about them right yeah. and, I, and I would even go beyond just the response that response that way in the the church I would say in the home it's the same way I mean a lot of the society societal problems that we see happen when parents are unwilling or afraid or or are ignorant of different kind of cultural things that are happening because they may see it in the news and think, well, that's far from me. Um, and so I think for a lot of churches, there there is that feeling of, well, you know, the whole Pride Month thing, it's something that's happening out on the coastal cities or whatever else. It's increasing, something that is not does not seem to be your problem is increasingly becoming your problem. Right. It's coming to your doorstep. Yeah, and a lot of that's coming through that polit- those political mechanisms that are being put in well, place. Well, and even to illustrate in our own life, we moved to Austin two years ago to come take this job, and I remember within the first week, I had kids, mm-hmm. and they all were eight and under, I think, at the time. And in our own yard, we had rainbow pride flags. Uh, we had mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter signs. We had mm-hmm. things that that my kids previously at that young point in their life had never seen. I remember explaining pride flags to my kids mm-hmm. within a week of being in Austin, Texas. And yeah. I mean, so it's one of those things. It's like if you ignore it in the church, it's a failure because out there they're going to see it. And and if you don't prepare them, it goes makes me think about Ephesians chapter four when mm-hmm. when Paul says that God's given the church 
these teachers, but why is he giving them? It says to equip the saints in verse 11. Mm-hmm. And if we don't equip them and give them the right tools to process the world they see, they're going to be equipped somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what's happened over time is the church has been silent and the world has not. And, yeah. and people have listened to other teachers, other pseudo-Christians, mm-hmm. other uh, spiritual leaders outside of Orthodox Christianity, and it's it's muddied the water. Mm-hmm. And I think it all goes back to bad bad leadership in that sense of silence. And so kind of for the organization of this, so if, if, that's a, if silence is a wrong response by the church, then what is the, the other side of that coin, Jonathan? What is the right response then when tempted to be silent on these kind of issues? On the opposite side, it's obviously then speak up. It's mm-hmm. that you got to preach the word. And 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 I was going to read a couple verses real quickly, but it's from 2 Timothy chapter 3. At the tail end of, of chapter 3, Paul famously talks about how all Scripture is God-breathed and affirms its power and purpose. But then he tells Timothy in verse 2 of chapter 4, just a couple verses after, he says, preach that word. He says, yeah. preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience, so you do it with love, and careful instruction. You stay true mm-hmm. to your doctrine. Because he said, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a number of teachers to say what their itching ears want them to hear. Um, mm-hmm. So all that being said, what do we do? It means we we take the Word of God, we rightly divide it, and we teach it. We yeah. equip people. Um, and, and I think that's the number one thing you can do uh, on the opposite is in the church. We've got to teach, and that goes across all avenues. The pulpit mm-hmm. obviously sets the pace, but it goes into life groups and mm-hmm. and youth ministry, even yeah. children's ministry, of being able to communicate and talk through these things mm-hmm. and have hard conversations. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot, all of it, it's about <clears throat> starting from learning and knowing the Word, right? Like creating the foundation right. from which you speak. <clears throat> but then not being afraid to ask hard questions, right? Yep. Like, you know, even kind of pulling it back to the home, you know, are you willing to talk in your home about these issues? So like, for instance, when you're, when your kids started asking about pride flags, you could have just ignored it and yeah. said, oh, it's just something somebody does. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Or, or here, here's, a, here's some candy, go watch TV. You know, like that, I mean, yeah. which, you know, a lot of people would take that method because we're afraid to answer those questions. You know, if we believe that God is the God of all truth and that we're that He gives us the ability to understand all these things, and if we really do believe that Scripture is um, uh, enough to be able to answer those questions, we need to open those doors to to ask that kind of right. question. And in the ch- and what that means in the church is that when the when the times come for us to to need to address these things, we need to address them, and we mm-hmm. need to not be afraid. In the in the context of it, I guess um, it, it, it's asking a question is in my in my view asking questions is never wrong, but loving doubt is. Right. And I think when it comes to Pride Month and things like that, churches one of the first right responses that they need to be doing is talking about what do we believe about this. Right. Th- this is here, and I mean you, you see that even in the Bible, in the like for instance the Book of First Corinthians. Paul just goes through a laundry list of questions that the church, the church apparently just wrote them these questions about, mm-hmm. well, what should we do about eating mo- uh, food sacrificed to idols? And what should we do about this se- this uh, issue of sexual immorality mm-hmm. that we have? And Paul just, he just straight up answered it and was, yep. you know, sometimes a little more blunt than others. But, <laughs> you know, what he demonstrated is that it, it's okay in the context of the community of the church to ask and discuss these questions. And I think that's really one of the things that uh, the whole press of culture has pushed against us is where you can't discuss it. Right. You can't have a divergent opinion from what is being talked about in the public sphere. 
but as Christians, we kind of have a burden to speak the truth. To well, and I think, I think Christians are scared too, because they've misconstrued due to culture that if they have questions on this, they feel like they hate people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you can have questions on this. And I, I will say in the church, many have questions on this because mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense at a surface level. Well, if God is loving that, that mm-hmm. teaching, why can't we just affirm and do all these things? That is a honest question yeah. that, that Christians can ask and it should be asked. But the other part is I think there's people that won't ask the questions because it's become personal in their mm-hmm. life in the church. Like yeah. I know so many people that have a homosexual child mm-hmm. uh, or, or an aunt, a cousin. I mean, almost, I won't say almost every family, but many families, more than, mm-hmm. than I guess people realize, have someone that they love in their family, friend group, that is a practicing homosexual or part of the LGBTQ movement. Yeah. Um, so all that being said, it makes it deeply personal, mm-hmm. but people have to be vulnerable enough to actually talk through those things, I guess, is is mm-hmm. the point yeah. to, to reach that truth. And I will say, too, that it, that I, I think part of the burden for the church is, in addition to speaking the truth and love about other things, also speaking the truth and love about the things that we battle with as mm-hmm. well. Um you know, church, churches kind of and Christians get off base when we approach difficult issues from the standpoint of we've got it all together and um, the things that we battle with are, are uh, you know, we, we keep those things secret and hidden. Right. Realistically, the way that people grow is when we're vulnerable with one another and we yep. talk about how is God, how is God actively doing a work in my life now? Uh, to me, what that does is that levels the playing field. Now, that does. But does that mean that Christians should go out there and publicly beat themselves because they, uh, in order to justify or get, become credible to speak against sin? I don't think so. But I do think that truth cuts both ways in that matter. That we as a church have to be honest and truthful with one another about the sins that exist within our congregations sure. as well. And so a, a second, so that we that was our first wrong response, right response. Second one. This is one that has been in existence pretty much since Pride Month became a mm-hmm. thing, and it is the at the the wrong, well, what we believe is the wrong response of boycotting, all mm-hmm. right? So let's, Jonathan, talk to us about boycotting culture and kind of what that, what that looks like and demonstrates. Well, it's funny because I know sometimes in the Christian church we can get aggravated, aggravated by cancel culture that's out there, and we've actually mm-hmm. talked about this on this podcast, but yeah. the truth is Christians are just as good at cancel culture as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Like if, if we don't like something, history has said, that churches boycott it, that mm-hmm. we immediately say, well, we're never going there again or doing any of that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've thought about this a lot because right now people are calling for boycotts left yeah. and right. I mean, for the MLB because of those instances, but I've heard it for the NFL. I've heard mm-hmm. it for Disney. For, I've heard it for Starbucks, Target. I mean, the list goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the question is, should we? If somebody, if a company, organization, service provider, whatever you want to call it, has a affirming position that's antithetical to God's word. Should a Christian never do business in that place again? I would argue not necessarily. Yeah. Um, would it be my personal opinion? Uh, and some of that stems theologically. First uh, Corinthians chapter ten verse twenty three. We're told that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Mm-hmm. So basically, as a Christian, you can do whatever you want in a lot of ways. We have a lot of freedom to make personal decisions. Obviously, there are commandments and there's morals, but there's a lot of a lot of gray that you get to walk in every day and make some decisions in life. But and Paul's point is not all your decisions might be the most helpful, and so. I've found that boycotts don't seem to be the most helpful tool for a Christian mm-hmm. um, for several reasons. One, it never actually hurts the company. I can list a lot of boycotts, yeah. and those companies are still thriving and doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, it muddies the water in your own conscience of, well, where then do you draw the line? Because, mm-hmm. for instance, right now, I'll just go ahead and illustrate with my own life. 
I'm going to California next week for the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm going to take my kids to Disneyland. <laughs> never been there. I've never mm-hmm. been there. I'm going to take the kids there. Some people will even maybe hear me say that on the on the podcast right now and just completely, you know, lose your breath. Like, oh my gosh, how could you? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the issue. Disneyland has a whole lot of fun, a whole yeah. lot of rides, a whole lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I could boycott them and not go, but the truth is I already told you, I see rainbow flags left and right in my neighborhood already. Yeah. So it's not hiding my kids from something I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. They do have a service of amusement that my children will enjoy. And I could boycott them, but if I did, I better be prepared to boycott every other entity on earth because they're all the same. Yeah. Um, I, I, I rattled off this list the other day as I was thinking about it because in the last probably three, four days, I've seen ads and propaganda and affirming positions from Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, Amazon, the NBA, the NFL, the Major League Baseball, Old Navy, Target, The Gap, Kendra Scott, NASCAR of all places, Columbia, (laughs) PetSmart, Yankee Candle, my own personal bank, and our U.S. military. Mm -hmm. So if you want to actually boycott our military and all of these other entities, like, good luck. (laughs) So kind of my point is, like, we all get the moral righteous, you know, Mm -hmm. outrage of, oh, I can't believe any Christian would go to any of these places. Well, you already do. You already do. Do. Yeah. And I and I'll say I think one of my one of my big issues, particularly with boycotting, is that is really kind of more the personal effect that it has on you, right? Because I, I think there's a fallacy in our responses of anything that that we do in order to feel good about ourselves. And so a lot of times when I when I look at what boycotts are, it's a it's being able to take the self um, contentment of doing something by literally not doing something. Yeah. Right. And two questions to that. I mean, number one, what what does that, by not doing something, are you actually doing anything? <laughs> and number two, is I mean, is your heart in the right place at that point? Right. Because are, are you doing it because you legitimately want Christ's name to be glorified, or are you doing it because you want to punish somebody else for having an opinion that you know is sinful? Well, and I will also argue, I believe there's a difference in that bo- between a boycott and taking a stand. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between me going to Starbucks to get a cup of coffee versus mm-hmm. me going to Starbucks and me having to drink the cup of coffee from a rainbow cup that I have to walk around with. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. To the mm-hmm. same point for that baseball guy, it's a difference for him to play a game in a baseball park with rainbow flags everywhere mm-hmm. versus him wearing the rainbow flag himself self and celebrating it. And so I do think there's a line there and I think there is a place to stand up. I just don't know if the place to stand is against every organization Mm -hmm. and doing business with anyone in the world. Well, and what I would say is honestly, I don't think boycotts are a stand. Mm -hmm. I I think that it is a, we are not going to participate. Yeah. I mean, and and so for the example that we have, and we're looking at these baseball players as heroes, they didn't sit out of the game. They, they made an action and then they stayed in the game. And so, I mean, when we're getting to right response, the the opposite side from boycotting and and thing and that basically abstaining from the culture around you, I think the right response is engaging with right. the culture around you in the with that foundation of truth that we were just talking mm-hmm. about. Um, you know, it, it even you even look at it from a scriptural standpoint where it says, "Don't take vengeance for vengeance to the Lord, but um, do good to one another, and thereby heap heap uh, burning coals yes. on your on your enemy." I mean. When we when I look at what the boycott language generally is, and that that let's let's step out, I see that as very little positive as a part of it. It, it is by definition a punishment, right? Um, and what people think they're doing when when they boycott is we're going to punish that company, and then they're going to change their line. The company the company has one moral: sell product. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> and so. Why do we? Why are we trying to treat corporation uh, or uh, teach corporations morals? 
They're never going to care. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, if they believe that they could sell more product by being the good moral company, they would do that. Yeah. And frankly, that's probably what they think they're doing is that they're trying to match the morals of their customers mm-hmm. at this time, which then should be more of an indictment on us about what our, the morals of our culture are that we, that, that we are finding that kind of thing supported. Um, now, again, that comes from me being a very cynical person yeah. <laughs> in general when it comes to politics and to corporations. But, I mean, Jonathan, I mean, what, what, what is your feel on no, that? No, I hear you. I agree with you in the sense of I think you have to engage the world. And that's, that's what I think. That is the opposite. I mean, that's why that is the mm-hmm. do. The don'ts don't necessarily boycott, but mm-hmm. do be on mission because that's the opposite. Boycott's just saying, I'm going to go hide under a rock and avoid mm-hmm. all these people that are all going straight the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And mission says, I'm going to go pursue them. And that's yeah. what we're called to do, to be salt and light. You have to take that light to places of darkness, and that's the whole mm-hmm. point uh, of the gospel and the Great Commission is that we're going to be those hands and feet of Jesus. But if you're only serving yourself, how are you being his hands and feet if you're not reaching anyone else that needs him? Um, so I think it's it's one of those lines that you have to realize if you, if you go hide from everything— you're going to be left very alone because the world is lost. It's increasingly dark. And uh, I think you're much better suited to go and engage. I'll even illustrate quickly with one small story at my previous church I worked at, Caitlyn Jenner, who, uh, of course, most people probably know, most famous uh, transgender person in the world, formerly Bruce Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner at that time had a show on the E! News channel, whatever it's called, E! Network. And uh, and. And he was wanting to come to my church, the church I was at, to go basically cause a ruckus because uh, my pastor at my previous church had stood up politically, made a stand about bathroom bills and ordinances in the city. He'd heard that, didn't like it, and his whole crew wanted to come. Well, my pastor, through the church, invited him to come to church. They wanted to come to church. He said, great, come to church. We'd love to have you come to church. Come. And so they actually, I watched it myself. They told him no cameras because they didn't want to make it a publicity stunt. But that whole entourage with Caitlyn Jenner showed up in our worship center, went to church, was in the room. And then I watched my pastor at the time, soon as church ended, he went back there in the room. They talked together, had a civil conversation for probably 20 minutes. He Mm -hmm. greeted them, listened to them respectfully, Mm -hmm. told them respectfully why he disagreed. And then he made, he didn't make them. He asked them, can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And they, I watched them. They all got in a circle, yeah. arms around each other, and he's praying for Caitlyn Jenner in yeah. a Baptist church. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, well, you know what? Wasn't that a lot better than boycotting? Yeah. Wasn't that a lot better to actually engage the individual, mm-hmm. share Christ, and then love them and pray for them? Yeah. So to me, I, I know not everybody's going to have an opportunity like that, but every day mm-hmm. you do have an opportunity of whether am I going to engage this world or am I just going to go hide in my own little mm-hmm. safe place? Yeah. Yeah. And and I think we do get to make that decision every day. And I do think that even um, that kind of segues us into the last response as well, because ironically, um, it's pretty similar. And the, and the last wrong response of the church being absolutely affirming of mm-hmm. what's happening with Pride Month and with uh, with the homosexual lifestyle. Um and so, I mean, that that's what we're largely seeing is that that churches are uh, some churches are making that that uh, stand, making that stand, ironically, that they're going to affirm what's happening with Pride Month. Uh, you'll see churches hanging um, the uh, LGBTQ rainbow flag outside of their sanctuary, even in place of, I would say, an American or a, a Christian flag, for that matter. Um, 
you see the you see the the symbols of this raised to the point of religious devotion, mm-hmm. um, and so I, th- I you know, I, I would say, what commentary do we have to know why that's a wrong response? But I think we've kind of spent this whole time mm-hmm. <laughs> saying why that is. But I, I think there's there's another another aspect to this outside of just the basic untruth of it. Um, a lot most of the time when a when a if if a church that claims to be Bible believing begins affirming. Uh, the homosexual lifestyle and certifying that essentially, what they're they're in a in a very real way lying to the people that they're saying that to, yeah. because if we believe the Bible and believe what it says, and then we tell then we turn around and say t- tell people, well, it actually doesn't have a problem with the homosexual lifestyle. We are telling them a lie about what the what the Bible mm-hmm. says, and we are we are actively participating in them being in them receiving lies from the culture because we are blending in with it. Um, that's why, ironically, affirmation winds up being a lot like boycotting because it's a way to avoid the issue. Yeah. Um, it does. Whereas it's 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 pushed forward that these are churches that are that are engaging the culture and having the conversations and all kind of stuff. When you just give with something, you're not having a conversation. You're just pushing it off so that it don't have to deal with it. Right. Um, you don't and where and where you don't have to confront it. Um, now that that is a generalization, that is some of some of the case, and I would say also the other side of it is to what you mentioned earlier that many who are affirming are really just trying to love people well, yeah. um, and they've they have been they have the problem has become that they have bought into the truth that's being told by culture that you love people better by by affirming their lifestyle than by share than by sharing and living out the truth that we mm-hmm. see in scripture. So if 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 public affirmation by the church is a wrong response, Jonathan, then what is the right response of churches? And I, I think this kind of comes down to the very core of what we're talking about. Well and it's to be courageous. I mm-hmm. think the do it's it's be courageous. And and to be clear, there is a difference between accepting and affirming. Mm-hmm. I do believe churches should be accepting. They they need mm-hmm. to accept people in there. And yes, it's supposed to the church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners and even in our own church. I mean mm-hmm. it, anyone that's in the LGBTQ community, we would accept you and welcome you to come and worship with us. You're welcome to come in the room. You're welcome to come get in a life group. We would accept you, uh, but there has to be enough courage to not affirm because that takes courage because at that point, that means you are saying, I'm going to stand on God's word, even though it's going Mm -hmm. to conflict and contrast with this person's feelings, emotions, Mm -hmm. and truthfully with most of society's sentiments. Mm -hmm. So I I really do believe that's what the church needs is is courage and and drawing that line saying, I won't. And and if you don't draw that line, I will tell tell you, you're not going to have much gospel power in your church because the gospel is offensive. I think Mm -hmm. that's what people miss. Like, I know we always act like, you know, you just have to, it's all about love. Yes, God is loving, but he also hates our sin. Mm-hmm. And so much so that he sent his son and killed him to pay yeah. the penalty for our sin. And the gospel by nature is offensive. It says that we have sinned and fallen short of mm-hmm. God's glory. And we have a problem that we cannot fix ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that is a an offensive message. And if you get that offense out of the message, it's no longer the gospel. And, right. and so... That's why I say if you if you affirm and you take it to that next step and you lack the courage, I don't believe God's going to bless that church with gospel mo- movement because yeah. um, you're not standing up on the full weight of what the gospel truly is. Yeah, because, I mean, that brings up the, the real question that I think all believers and all churches have to ask is what do you really believe? You know, when when it, when he gets that 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 is actually one of the this sounds weird. One of the benefits that the pride movement has had for the church is that we've had to begin where whereas we as the church have largely ignored sexual theology 
for the last two centuries, this challenges us to say, what do we believe as right. a, 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 that God create, has created the physical body to do? And what, is, what has God created as a correct relationship? We can't take it for granted that mm-hmm. everyone knows that. And so from that, we need instead of us seeing Pride, Pride Month in this movement as a danger, we should see it as an opportunity, mm-hmm. as, an, as an opportunity to discern what we believe and what, the, what can the gospel do in people's lives, right? Because, um, I mean, kind of to piggyback on what you said, I mean, the, where the true gospel is, there will be life change. There, yep. it, by nature, it has to bring change in because our natural lifestyle, our natural bent is towards sin. Mm-hmm. All of us, for, yeah. whether, whether you uh, raised up and believe in a Judeo-Christian morality or not, sin is there. Sin is sin, and it is for all of us. But affirming a particular brand of sin does not make it any less sin, yeah. <laughs> um, regardless of what that is. Um, and so, Jonathan, as we kind of get down to the end, toward the end of this conversation, what are some things that you would encourage um, the listeners as they as they and as they approach these conversations over Pride Month and uh, the Christian response? The first thing, and it's always, I know it might sound like the token pastor thing to say, but pray. I mm-hmm. think it starts with prayer. You know, pray pray for our culture. Pray for churches that have lost their way on this. Pray for the LGBTQ community, that mm-hmm. they might have their eyes opened uh, and that lives would be transformed. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I've seen it personally. I know you have, Matt, and people mm-hmm. all around the world. People have left that lifestyle and yeah. found new life. It happens. There are stories everywhere. The media mm-hmm. will never tell because it kills the narrative. But there yeah. are stories of life change where people have been freed from that the bondage of that sin. And we should pray for more of that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. pray for that. I would also encourage you to, to be courageous, whatever that looks like for you. The, the courageous aspect might be, at first of all, is just drawing your own line and, mm-hmm. and building your own theological framework of convictions. Yeah. And you might need to study this. If you need to be discipled by your pastor or minister, mm-hmm. ask questions. If it's cloudy and you don't see everything the way we see, but you, you're trying to figure it out, be honest and, yeah. and build your own theological framework uh, that's rooted in God's Word and take this month to really double down on that and not just go mm-hmm. drifting through the month listening to people. Go listen to God first and, yeah. and go build that. Yeah. And then lastly, if I was going to give throw in one more last thing, and, and I'll, I'll be done, but, but I'd encourage you, study in the political sector. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in an election year. We're, we're approaching some really important midterms. I just think this month reminds us of the importance of our government structures. Yeah. I don't trust in our government. My hope's not in <laughs> Uncle Sam. It's in God. But at the same time, God has placed these structures of authority over us, and we are participants in this republic. And you need to participate with your voice because there is a motive out there through legislation to bring about a new morality that will be forced upon people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are politicians that have convictions that are antithetical to God's values and purposes, Mm -hmm. and you need to be read up, prayed up, and then you need to vote, and you need to vote accordingly. And so uh, I'd I'd encourage you likewise, if you don't like the way culture's moving, go be active, go do something about it, and and exercise the freedom that God gave you. Yeah, vote vote your convictions, interact interact when the conversations that are happening in our communities, and support one another, right? I mean, these are all, these are all things that you know, if we were if we were talking about any other sin issue, it would be the exact same thing that we need that we we have to be sitting and not doing anything and not engaging with the question is not an option. So, 
Well, thank you all for joining us today on this on the Citizen ATX podcast. We will have more hot takes for you as these weeks progress. I know, Jonathan, do we want to give any kind of preview of some of these things? Sure. We're going to talk about some other stuff. As I already alluded to, I'm about to head off to Anaheim to the Southern Baptist Convention. So if you haven't heard, there's been quite a bit of controversy over there and there'll be some action items coming out of that, I imagine. So we'll talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, where it's going. Roe v. Wade's on the horizon with a decision. We'll talk about that. Uh, and plenty more. So there'll be more hot hot, hot takes yeah. during this very hot summer. All right. Well, friends, thank you for taking the time to listen with us today. And we hope that you'll join us next time on the Citizen ATX Podcast.